Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. I'm your host, John Hart, along with Luna, my guitar, and today I'll be talking about learning an instrument. Each episode is broken up into a Trafalite format where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised babble in the amber, and recommendations you might find handy in the green. Before we delve into the topic of learning an instrument, let's discuss neurodiversity. Our brains are all wired differently, which can come with unique strengths and challenges. As a neurodivergent musician myself, I've experienced how my brain's unique way of processing information from tutors, courses and resources has both helped and hindered my playing over the years. So let's head on over to the red section now where I'll give some insights. See you then. Okay, so we're into the red section. So how can neurodivergent individuals approach learning an instrument? Well, first and foremost, it's important to choose an instrument that resonates with you, whether it's the guitar, piano, drums, or something else entirely, selecting an instrument that speaks to you is crucial for long-term success. If you're unsure where to start, try listening to various genres of music and paying attention to different instruments used. Once you've selected an instrument that ignites your passion, the next step is to find a tutor who understands neurodivergent learners and can work with your unique strengths and vision. An initial relaxed lesson can help break down any barriers by allowing you to express your needs and wants to the tutor. If you're a younger learner, you can have a parent help you write down or draw what you need. Visual aids, analogies, and other methods can also make a significant difference. It's important to avoid tutors who try to impose their own musical style and background onto your learning unless it's been specifically requested. Your neurodivergent learning experience is all about you. And a great approach is to learn and play the music you love while having your tutor teach you the necessary skills and techniques to play those songs or pieces. This can help you maintain dopamine levels and enjoy the process of playing music. Once you're hooked, you can then delve deeper into the technical aspects of playing your instrument. Another essential aspect of learning an instrument as a neurodivergent individual is finding ways to work with your strengths and weaknesses. For instance, if you have a strong auditorial memory but struggle with reading sheet music, recording yourself and listening back to the recording can help reinforce what you've learned. You can just simply use a smartphone with the audio and video. It's vital to remember that learning an instrument is a lifelong journey and there will be challenges along the way. Embracing your neurodivergent traits and finding ways to work with them can help you become a successful and fulfilled musician. Setting realistic goals for yourself each school term or season and celebrating your achievements, no matter how small they may seem, can also help with your momentum. 
A mini performance, whether online or in person, can be a great way to showcase your progress. And finally, it's important to note that there's no right way to learn or play an instrument. Music is creative and an expressive art form, and finding your unique voice as a musician is a personal journey. Don't be afraid to experiment with different techniques, styles, and genres. And remember that there's always something new to learn and explore. Your learning journey is subjective and taking it one step at a time and adding 1% of progress each day can help you build momentum and reach your musical goals. So that's it for the red section. The next section, I'm going to go through my convoluted and impulsive babble in the amber section. See you then. Hey, and welcome back to the Neurodivergent Musician podcast in the Amber section, where I'll be talking about my insights and stories about learning an instrument. So I started off at the age of five. My nan, my dear nan and my aunt saw that I had some sort of rhythm and timing. I was a very, very hyper uh, young boy uh, at five and they had a piano in their house in the living room and I went up to this piano and it was almost like it was limitless I could just press all the keys in in so much freedom I could express myself in so many different ways but the thing is a lot of people have been brought up with learning an instrument in a very formatted and restricted way so when you were given books when you were given resources it was very much like you've got to play this and you can't play this. And that can really drain your expression, your creativity, your improvisation. And that's probably the early signs where I was like, this is just not geared to my brain. The art form of developing an instrument should be very organic and natural. And this is why I see a lot of adults who used to learn when they were younger or maybe throughout their teens and they had it knocked out of them. They may have gone through grades and by the time they got to grade three or grade five, they just completely dropped off because it just became so robotic. They've had teachers and I've met peripatetic teachers and things as well that almost like come out of the broom cupboard and they teach from the books and you know this discipline and everything else and then they go back in and they just almost like they've lost the life and the will to be able to carry on and any joy and because their students aren't practicing and everything just feels very gray and very boring and now I'm not painting the brush for all tutors here but I kind of want to inject that feeling where it's not the tutor and then the pupil is underneath everyone wants to be treated equally now yeah i've got you know 30 plus years of experience with guitar i've got i've been playing since i was five but i don't bring that 30 uh, year experience into the room and make it feel like i'm authoritative everybody's journey is personal everybody's journey is subjective now i've gone through a lot when I was growing up and the piano 
which started off as a really lovely natural instrument. But it's until I got a piano teacher, she was really strict. She used to tap my hands when I wasn't doing something right. Or, you know, you've got to read the dots. You've got to do the theory and things as well. And it's just like, what are you doing here? You are completely killing the art. I get it for moving up the ladder and I get it for trying to move the needle along. But you've got to understand learning an instrument is for life. It's not just for that short period of time. This is not short-term learning. So I find that with a lot of books, a lot of resources, a lot of teaching methods are geared to very short-term success. And most of the time, this is to get marks. This is for examinations. This is to try and get scorecards and whatever it is for university and for, for grades, for certificates. And when students come and do an examination, majority of students maybe I've taught, I've taught thousands, you know, are petrified of exams. And if they fail, that fear of failure, then they may not want to do the grade again. They may drop off. So it's one of those where, again, it's very subjective. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach to the teaching. Now, I'm going to go into another episode about teaching specifically as a neurodivergent musician. But as a pupil, you know, I remember going to the piano and I, I would have been playing piano today. And I've, I've started again this year and I've played a little bit of Iron Audi because I want to, you know, and maybe a little bit of Hans Zimmer or something like that. Again, it's subjective. Even if people don't like Iron Audi, Iron Audi evokes an emotion in me. So I just want to play it. It's very colourful. It's very simple, but colourful. And that is how learning an instrument should feel. You know, what is the quickest way for someone to go to an instrument and get over the barriers without any stigma, without any criticism, without any fear of failure, especially from a tutor? If you're constantly giving out negative responses and negative feedback to everything all the time and not seeing the bigger picture and the long term plan, then you are doing it wrong. You are teaching wrong and you should not be a teacher. If you've been doing it for years and years, decades and decades, and you've hit the point where all you're doing is criticizing your pupils and living for those ones who maybe do it all the time, then you're in the wrong game. Go and do something else. There is also tutors out there, and I'm not going to go on a tutor bash. There's also tutors out there who are not active musicians. So again, they just, all, all they do is teach. So I found this back in the day when I had this piano teacher and just so strict and so disciplined and so black and white with everything. But I've also realized with learning music is colorful. Music is colorful. So why is the manuscript and why is the tab that we use black and white? It just completely baffles me. Now, I'm not saying we go and get our crayons out and pencils and start colouring in, but there needs to be a system. And I'd love to go and develop some kind of neurodivergent musician education resource or something down the line that I feel with my approach that I've had over the years, that I've been able to keep all my pupils loving what they do and they've gone on to do great things my approach is long term now i did piano for a few years and then on my eighth birthday is when my nan my my dear nan who is the mother figure she 
bought me a guitar for my eighth birthday. Now this was a three quarter nylon and I don't think she had any idea how this would transform my whole life. Um, and with the beginning I had, it's not as bad as, you know, others around the world. Some people have had it completely horrific, but you know, again, everything's subjective and you can only work with what you have. And regards to my upbringing, I had a, a Winnie the Pooh puppet, like, you know, well, my kids have like a bunny and then and a lion. I had this Winnie the Pooh puppet. It can only last for a few years until you go to school and you're like, I don't want to be carrying around a blanket or a, a teddy anymore. But when my nan got me this guitar, oh my word, it had no case. And that was a blessing in disguise because I had to carry this thing around like a blanket. And I had no idea how to play it. I had no idea. And I had a family member teach me a few things. She died tragically very, very young. So I only had a few lessons with her. And, you know, that affected me as well. Because she was just, she was not naturally a guitar teacher, but just the way she expressed herself and the way she, you know, expressed the love of the instrument. We tried at books and we tried chords and stuff as well. And nursery rhymes is kind of like the generic sort of default that you start with when you're very, very young, especially at eight. But... You know, that was the first signs that I was like, this is this is the instrument. I have no idea how to play this. I have no idea where I'm heading. But do you know what? I'm just going to carry on with it. So I put this guitar under my arm and I would take it to school. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I carried it around everywhere. And it became my best friend, which is, you know, maybe quite sad, but... Uh, it got me through some some difficult times and yeah i learned some chords and i learned some riffs and things as well but it was all subjective and then when i got a guitar teacher at school he taught me how to tune a guitar for 30 freaking minutes i mean you know what what a way to kill the love of learning and then he was like oh yeah look at all these blue stuff oh yeah look at all this stuff oh look what i can play and stuff as well i was just like seriously man you're you're from another world what are you doing you're imprinting your own you know background and dna which is fine if the student wants it you know and the reason why he was doing that is because he's not fulfilled in his life he's not fulfilled in his music journey and things as well so he must come in and just like you know imprint it on everybody so what he didn't do is go, what do you like? What do you like to listen? Where do you want your lessons to go? What would you like to achieve by the end of this term? All these things. And I guarantee if he did that, I would have stayed with him. So I only had a few lessons with him because I was just like, this is bullshit. Well, I was in high school. I probably didn't think that. But now looking back on it, I was like, yeah, it's bullshit. So... But it wasn't until, so I was going along, I was carrying around this guitar, got the nickname, you know, coming up with crap, learning all sorts of stuff as much as I can. I teamed up with a, um, a mate and he had a very hard beginning as well. And um, he played drums. And when we were at the age of eight, we I went around his house and he hadn't got a drum kit yet, but he had these cushions. And he got all the cushions out and it's almost like air drumming. And then I had my guitar and we just jammed. You know, I 
didn't really know what we were doing, but we were just loving it. He put on 10 Summoner's Tales, D um, it wasn't DVD, uh, VHS of Sting. So yeah, it's back in the early 90s. And he put that on. It was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, you could just see the vibe of Sting and the rest of his players, the rest of the musicians, just jamming out and then he put on Phil Collins and others as well because he had an uncle who was you know he had a sort of really diverse taste in music from Frank Zappa to you know the police and all sorts of acts and that really introduced me to another world and I'd also listen to music in my dad's car from Pink Floyd to Led Zeppelin to so many different acts Phil Collins and things as well and you know I would just let it wash over me and it didn't really seep into my guitar too much until I got my first proper guitar teacher. Now, my first proper guitar teacher is wonderful. Such a wonderful guy. And you can go and check out his website, Kev Porter. He was like that sort of father guitar teacher figure in a way that he, he taught me like, if you love what you play, you will play all day. And he never put really any pressure on me if I hadn't practiced or I hadn't done this. And he, you know, sometimes the lessons were guitar therapy. Sometimes I just needed some like that comfort on my guitar without it feeling like constantly learning. And I know he had to come up with something every single week because that's what we do with guitar lessons and we feel like we've got to move the needle. But I think sometimes some students they're on one thing and they just want to perfect one thing for a, for a while. And he allowed me to do that. And he just was so calm, so collected and didn't imprint too much. There was, you know, what he did introduce at times was things like Joe Satriani and Steve I and these other greats. I was like, wow, where did these guys come from? This is amazing. And he organized a trip with another mate and um, with all of us. Uh, pupils to go from the Isle of Wight all up to all the way up to London at the age of 16 to go and watch Joe Satriani in concert and that's when I was inspired and I think a great way for any person looking to learn an instrument is to get inspired by someone else to get influenced by someone else because you can't develop your own sound your own purpose your own identity consistency excitement and you know, success, which I call the spices, unless you are inspired by something. And it can be the instrument itself for the art form. But I think if you see someone else and you're like, wow, I want to be able to play like that, you need that moment. And Joe Satriani was that. So I had my guitar teacher and Joe Satriani inspire me to be a great guitar player and to be a good guitar tutor, you know, really good influential figures of my life. So I persevered as much as I could. I did scales, I did all kinds of stuff, but it wasn't really until I was in my 20s that I started to become more comfortable. I went through university and I went through college Again, learning grades and I might have dropped off here, might have dabbled here, might have done this here. But when I went to university, I had a ridiculous, stupid moment. And it's very neurodivergent where 
I got an old nylon guitar. I then decided to turn it over, carve a hole at the back of it. And I got a snare drum and I put it at the back of this guitar. And for a recital, I decided, okay, I'm going to do these 80s guitar arrangements. And I was going to, you know, play this solo and I was going to turn the guitar over and then play a drum solo and then turn it back. You know, I thought it was going to be very cool, but it ended up being utterly horrendous. I was on stage. It was like my second year of university. Uh, I went to go and play. The clips of the drum skin started pinging off at other bandmates. And I just looked over and I could see, you know, tutors with that look on their face or hands on their face as if like they're embarrassed i was embarrassed because this drum now sounded like a whoopee cushion and it was horrendous but i know with the resilience and everything that i'd gone through i was like no i'm not giving up now and there's many times you will feel when you're learning an instrument that you're like I, i haven't found my sound yet i haven't found my identity yet in my playing and you're like, oh, this is this for me. Am I going to give it up? I don't have any time anymore. And you start filling your time with so many other things because you've hit so many hurdles with your playing journey. But when I went to the office the next day after this exam, I sat there with the tutor and it was, we didn't have to say anything. It was horrendous. But that was like a sliding doors moment. I could just give up or I could, you know, persevere with it and actually go into another direction. And that was my direction into fingerstyle guitar, which is like, you know, one of the top levels of acoustic guitar playing. And I was singing also. And, you know, after that, I started dabbling in bands and all sorts of stuff, trying to gain as much experience as I could. But when I then, I was a singer-songwriter strumming and singing and then I took two years out and then I started to learn about fingerstyle you know with much more depth and that's where I became a fingerstyle singer-songwriter and that is then when I found my sound my purpose my identity my consistency excitement and success but it took that long and and that's what I'm talking about when you start learning your instrument now you're not going to think about the long journey but Learning an instrument, it's almost like a Rubik's Cube. It's the ultimate computer game for the rest of your life. And I've got no destination with my playing. Yeah, I'm working on albums. Yeah, I'm working with musicians and I'm doing, I'm writing all the time, but I write for me. And when I go and learn techniques, theory or whatever it is, I only learn them to weave into my playing. It'd be like if I'm doing a recipe and I'm cooking I'm not just going to go and randomly put a spice in there. You know, I might go and learn a recipe that includes that. So I've got that spice in future and I learn about that spice, whatever it is, and you can weave it in in future. So it's almost like taking pinches of salt from anything that you need to weave into your universe, not someone else's. And I, I was caught in the trap when I was trying to be, you know, someone else. And, it, and again, that's like masking. You're trying to put the mask on to pretend like to be this other performer. And I have nothing against cover bands and tribute bands. I go out as a cover band and it's work. But I think going out as your own identity, yeah, 
it's it's hard work yeah it might not have reward straight away and yeah if you're doing it as a career musician you might not earn any money straight away you've got to do other things to do that which i'll go into another episode but if you're learning an instrument just do it for the love first find the passion find the love one of my things is i say to my students i don't want you to be bored the second you're bored we're changing it we're not going to do anything else if you're bored with grades if you're bored with whatever it is we're, we're changing it up now i know there is school curriculum and there's all these other stuff that is not geared towards neurodivergent brains and all these establishments and you know i hope that changes down the line i hope there are new systems and new ways of doing things it's almost like stigma about i know with say for instance a lot of parents or a lot of people go into learning a musical instrument and they're made to go and learn classical music but if they're not listening to classical music why should they learn classical music now obviously all the teachers will go well yeah because that's got all all the teaching methods and you can learn notation and if you can learn notation you can learn every single song no that's a load of crap <laughs> i do sight reading sometimes but i'd prefer to do it orally I prefer to listen to it and then play it. I prefer to learn a few chords. I prefer to go to Ultimate Guitar app and get the chords and work out the melodies that way than for me to go and trace everything on notation onto guitar or piano or whatever it is. And that's my way. And again, there's a, there is some stigma around that, that if you're not doing things you know, with regards to music learning, like reading the dots, reading notation, doing your scales, doing this, blah, 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 then you're doing it wrong. And I'm just like, nah, find a teacher that will stick with your strengths. And then, you know, maybe you can work on your weaknesses, but do it for the love. Figure out that first before you even go and start learning an instrument, learning guitar or whatever it is, find out why, what is the why? And then once you've got the why, then you can do the how. And welcome back to the Neurodivergent Musician podcast. And we're now in to the green section, which is a recommendation. So you can go and search online to the heavens and find lots of different tutors, lots of different courses, lots of different resources, lots of different videos. It is saturated with lots of different instrumental lessons. But one website that I know a lot of people have used and I'm on is a website called Tutorful pretty much a directory for lots and lots of different instrumental tutors. Now, it's not the only one obviously out there, but it's one of the most popular. And the reason why I went on there because they are really great. They, you know, they vet all of their tutors. You have to add in a lot of detail. You have to have an interview to go and put yourself on to that website and directory. So it's not just put up your bio and then you can have anyone with any kind of experience. You have to go through all the hurdles to be able to get yourself on the platform. If not tutorful, then, you know, you can go onto socials. You can go into other groups, go into your local area, maybe on Facebook groups and, you know, find out if there's any guitar tutors, piano teachers, all sorts of stuff. 
do your research first. Maybe go onto YouTube and just find some channels. Now I know with guitar, there's Justin Guitar and Andy Guitar. Really, really great. And I'm never gonna compete with those guys. What they produce is absolutely amazing for beginners. So that is it today for this episode of the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast. If you know any musicians that will find this useful, then please do share it away. If you want to support the podcast, go to johnhartmusic.com forward slash podcast and you can sign up for the membership if you want to keep the engine running here. But thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Take care. Thank you.